Alright, so I have this question here from Alexander. So Alexander is saying, what do you do when you feel God is leading you to be an entrepreneur, but you want, but you want to work a normal 9-to-5 job to gain some level of experience before setting out um, to become an entrepreneur? Can this be seen as disobedient? And he also has a follow-up question to that. He says, how can one navigate the few years, the first few years in entrepreneurship um, or freelancing where there is so much pressure to make money? All right, so that's a good question, um, Alexander. Now, what do you do when you feel led, you feel a spiritual leading to, um, to go into entrepreneurship, to start a business? And um, you feel like an internal insecurity about your level of knowledge or your level of expertise um, or your level of education. Um, so you want to go and work in nine to five to get that experience and that knowledge. Um, in that thing, you feel led to be um, in business for. Um, could that delay in going into business be seen as disobedient? Now, this, this question can be quite tricky because it's, it has to do with spirituality. And that's why it's tricky, because spirituality is a very personal thing. It's a very personal thing. So it, it now depends on how strong your leading is. Because, you know, the foundation of spirituality or your relationship with God, how you test your relationship with God, um, is through the level of peace you feel. You understand? Peace is the current through which you know whether um, you you are having you are in right standing with God. Peace is the undercurrent of spirituality. You understand? So, um, and that's why I say it's a personal thing. And so, it depends on how disturbing it is, um, how urgent this need to start this business is. Um, you know, and it could be disobedient. It could be. And this way I need to establish uh, the biggest opposition to a spiritual leading is logical thinking. The biggest opposition to spiritual leading is logical thinking. Now, this is where a lot of people that are not spiritually minded will totally disagree with what I'm, what I'm saying right now. Because people that are not spiritually minded are 100% logical thinkers. So it has to make sense to them. If it doesn't make sense, then there's no need venturing into it for the person that is not spiritually minded. And that's why the Bible says that for the person that is not spiritually minded, spiritual things are foolishness to them. So it sounds, it will sound foolish. And, and, and that's why, you know, um, for me, when I, I take the Bible as my standard, 
and um, when you read the Bible, it's full of what you might see, what you know the normal mind would see as foolish actions, foolish decisions. Read through the Bible, it 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 is riddled with with such um, events or activity or decisions that are seen as foolishness. So. Someone that reads the Bible and is not spiritually minded, doesn't have any spiritual values, will say this book is just full of people making very foolish decisions. But, we, but if you are spiritually minded, you, you understand that there is, a, there is a foundation on which this thing is built called peace. The foundation of peace. You understand? Peace and faith. So... Um, a lot of these people that are um, that take action, that are con- that are against the grain in the Bible, number one, in taking that action, they have some level of peace. To take that action, they had some level of faith. So my question to you right now is, what is your level of faith? And um, your level of faith is de- determined by how much you know. This God that you say is calling you to be an entrepreneur in the first place. How much do you know God? Because you know what? It's, it's not really about how much you know the work God is going to, is asking you to do. It's not really about how much you know the work. It is about how much you yourself know your God. Because you know, the Bible says um, in Daniel, it says... Those who know their God will be strong and will do exploits. Those who know their God. Now, that, that, that's a very funny scripture because it doesn't really say those who know their work. You understand? It, so it doesn't say those who know their work. It says those who know their God. So it says knowing God eh, is the cornerstone of doing exploits. Not really expertise not really education you understand it's not it's not not those things it is the knowledge of god it's the knowledge of god that wows people that, that brings you to a plus, a point where you can absolutely wow people and this is where i think about the disciples in um the bible you know they were a lot of them were common men fishermen some of them were doctors you know but few of them, but a lot of them were common men. And when they started doing really great things, people were like, these are common men. How did they learn all these languages that they are speaking and how did they learn to do all these amazing things that were reserved for people that were highly educated in, um, in Jewish spirituality, you understand? So then they, they thought the people that were meant to be doing signs and speaking really eloquently were meant to be the... Um, the the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, you know, members of the Sahendrin, you know, those were the intellectuals of the society, not fishermen. You understand? But then, this way you must understand that there are three levels of um, of what I would call knowledge that people succumb to. There are three. There is um, number one, your education. So if you are going to be an authority in anything, people are going to question 
one of three things. If you're going to come out and say you're doing a business or you're going to do something, you know, what, what they're going to succumb to is, number one, your, your level of education. They're going to say, where did this school? Where did she school? You understand? Is it, is it a good university? Do you have a good degree? They say, oh, we went to Harvard, went to Oxford, went to Yale. You understand? They kind of say, oh, this is a Yale graduate, so he must be highly educated. He must know what he's saying. You understand? So they say he has a good education. If you have good education, they'll probably give you some audience as an authority. Number two, they look at your experience. Your experience can also make you an authority. So you might not have gone to Harvard, gone to Yale, but then coming out of a regular um, um, school, you worked in very good places. You got ex work experience that people cannot argue with. So you worked with very good companies for a good amount of years. You understand? So they say he has 20 years experience working with this reputable company. Make sure an authority. You know what you're saying. But there's the third one that really baffles people. And that's exposure. What have you been exposed to? And if you can prove, and this is not a matter of proving, if you, if you can express that you've been exposed to some energy. And that's what, that's what they now ask. This is what we now talk about the disciples and people in the Bible. They were exposed to God. So there are some people, you, you look at their education, like who, who are they? <laughs> no education, no experience. Then they must be exposed to something because they are displaying some level of competence that you can't even just describe. And that's when you look through the Bible. You see, when, um, when David killed Goliath, the first thing Saul asked him was, who, are your, who is your father? Whose son are you? Because he wanted to know, number one, is he a son of a noble? Does he have, like, noble background? Because we were like, how did this guy, how, can, how did this guy defeat this giant that experienced soldiers couldn't defeat? Noble men couldn't think of a way, a strategy of defeating and just thought this guy, nobody never heard of him. What, are, what, 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 what is he? What, what, what does he have? But David had some exposure. God exposed him. Do you understand? The same thing where you look at um, Moses. You see, when Moses went back to Egypt to deliver them, he felt highly incompetent of the task. He felt like he needed some experience. But God said, you are ready. <clears throat> and told him to go. And when he, when he went to confront Pharaoh, you must know that for every sign he showed Pharaoh, up to a particular stage, Pharaoh had magicians and sorcerers that were replicating the same thing. You understand? But they were well-schooled in the dark arts in Egypt. But they didn't know where, where, Mo, where Moses got his own skill from. So they were baffled. And he got to a place where they couldn't do what he was doing. And like, look, oh, they haven't taught us that one in the class. So we don't know where this guy is learning this thing. We've not read the book. You understand? But the, the, the only thing was that Moses was exposed to God. You understand? So a lot of people are so, I need to help God <laughs> equip, equip myself for what God is sending me to do. And that's the logical mind. So God is sending me to do this thing. But then I, I look at my education. I look at my experience. And I say, I am not ready. So I'm going to help God get ready but that's when the knowledge of god knowing your god and doing exploits comes comes in um because then you don't know the the god that is calling you can equip you just by he, he, your exposure to him 
you understand? But you're still thinking logically, like every other person thinks. I need to go to school. I need to work a particular amount of years before I am confident to do this thing. That's the mistake we make. And, you know, I'll use myself as an example. I, you know, when I, start, when I started speaking and teaching, um, doing business consulting, you know, I, I really didn't have any experience as a speaker. No experience. I didn't have any experience, no education as a speaker. I didn't do like a, a Toastmasters um, course. And I know people that do it, you know, go for courses in public speaking and stuff. Never did any of that. I didn't do any psychology course. You understand? I I, I didn't do any um, business consulting course. You know, I didn't do any of those things. I didn't. And and for me, that was was an insecurity at first. You know, even talking to my wife at that time, I used to feel like, you know, she told me, are you sure you wouldn't just do like one of these courses so that when they are um, just reading your profile, there's something that people can, you know, can trust. You understand? So she said, just do a course, do a course. But I didn't, I didn't feel led to do a course. You understand? I didn't feel I was that point. At that point, I didn't feel led to do a course. I didn't, I, I felt like I didn't need a, a safety raft. You understand? I didn't need, I didn't need a safety raft. I felt like if I'd done a course, I would have depended on it too much. And um, I felt I felt called to do it at that time, you understand? Just go into it and just, you know, talk to people. Talk to people. Advise people. Um, so it was scary going into it. But then what I realized is every time I opened my mouth, it was a spirit taking over my body so even as i answer your questions a lot of times i don't spend too much time thinking about it it just comes to me some scripture that i've read like many many years ago just flows out of my mouth you understand so when people say oh you are wise a lot of people a lot of people um um use that word wise to qualify me you know, it's very hard for me to accept because I, I know it's not from within me. It's not from reading. Although I've started reading a lot, but no, I, can, I cannot tell you that it's from reading books that it came. You understand? Because I only just started getting into reading. But then I, I, I understand that it's the spirit of God. It's what, what I'm exposed to. You understand? So it's just me offering myself as a, as a vessel. For God to use. He has all the experience. He has all the education. And all I need to do is expose myself to his high level of experience and, and um, education. Do you understand? Uh, he's educated about everything and he can talk about that. When people ask me a question in q and group, I'm not scared of any question. When I go for live events, I'm not scared of any question. I'm not stopped by any question. Because I'm not like, I, I never think my education has not gotten to that level. I know the one that sent me can always answer any question. So you see, your insecurity isn't about the task. Your insecurity is about the person calling you to do the task. You need to get to know God. I know that God is all-powerful. He doesn't need your help. What he needs is your availability. That's all. That's all you bring to the table. 
you don't bring more to the table than your availability. If people get that straight, you will relax some more. All God needs is just come. He doesn't need any other thing from you. Just come. He will handle the rest. Not your education, not your nine to five experience. No, that's your fear talking. When he wants to lead you to get a nine to five, you would have peace and you have faith towards that. But now it's fear. And fear is taking you towards the path of logic so that you can sleep at night. But it's still fear. Logic cannot give you peace. It can't give you peace. It can only help you stall for a while, but you won't have peace while you're stalling. So it's a personal thing. So you must know whether it's disobedience or not by the level of peace you feel and the level of faith you have. You see, when peace and faith are aligned, you will you will have courage. But when peace and faith are not aligned, you might have logic, but then you will still be troubled. It will, it will nag on your mind. And I feel that's why you're asking me this question right now. Is it disobedience? That makes me know that there isn't peace there somewhere. That's why you're asking the question. So I pray that God gives you peace. The second question you're asking, how can one navigate entrepreneurship, um, especially the early years where there is high pressure for money? Now, I think we're coming closer home as, <clears throat> as to why you are not answering this call to entrepreneurship. There's an insecurity there about money. But then let me correct one thing. The first, when you said the first few years where there's a, a high level of pressure about money, it's not the first few years. Don't, don't fool yourself. It's throughout the journey of entrepreneurship, there's a pressure and insecurity about money. Let me not, let me not lie to you. You know, I, like, very early, I ventured into entrepreneurship. Very, very early on. I think I spent only one, one, one or so years, one or two years, accumulatively, in two different places working as an employee. One when I was in Nigeria, one when I was in Canada. That's all. You understand? Um... Maybe some little stints, IT, when I was in university. That's all. But accumulatively, they, they will not come up to one, um, two, two and a half years. You understand? So I was an employee, you know, acted as an employee uh, um, for two and a half years. The rest of my adult life, I, I worked as an entrepreneur. So that's coming up to two decades. And I still feel a pressure for money and an insecurity. I won't lie to you. Even when I became an authority in my field, there was still a pressure for money. It never ends. Never ends. Everybody feels it. Everybody. Everybody still feels a uh, pressure for more money. And, and that's where, that's one of the things we need to learn to break in our lives, succumbing to the pressure of money. And it's not about being rich. Money doesn't satisfy the the insecurity about money, accumulating more of it. As a matter of fact, it deepens it. Some of the richest people are still the most insecure about their money. Do you understand? So it's not, it's not money that satisfies that, that insecurity. It's not money that sacrifices it, that, that, that satisfies it. It's not. So don't have that disillusionment that is money. It is a security in God that satisfies it, a contentment from God that satisfies it. It's not that. It's not, it's not about accumulating more money at all. That's not what satisfies that, that amen, that pressure. No, 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 no. It's, it's a security in God. And that security in God is something you wake up and decide to do every day. You understand? Because every day you wake up, your mind will go to auto-reset of where do I get money from, where do I get food from, where would next money come from. Then you need to consciously set your mind. It's like, you know, 
I, there was a time I was given an automatic wristwatch by my cousin. First automatic wristwatch I had. No battery. You understand? And the, the trouble with it is, whenever I woke up in the morning, I had to set it. Because when I set it down, when I remove my wristwatch at night, because I remove my wristwatch to sleep at night. Some people sleep with theirs, I don't. I put it beside me. And um, every time I put it to, to stop at night, because automatic wristwatch, they need motion. So every single time I put it on, I woke up in the morning, it would have stopped because it, there was no motion. Then I would put on my wrist, set it, then start moving during the day to keep working. At night, to stop again. You see, I learned from that that every single day you have to reset your mind like an automatic wristwatch. Because what you, what, what you, what, the confidence you had sometimes, a lot of times, auto reset. You go back to auto reset again. Where will I get money from? Those, that pressure that we feel as human beings. But then you need to put your mind back in the right place and auto reset it. And that's where reading and remembrance and meditation of scripture has to come in. You understand? Remember the scripture, have faith, reset your mind. That is God that supplies your needs and takes care of you part time. Even when you have little, he makes it enough. Do you understand? That's what you must remember. That will keep you, not, not making more money. But as an entrepreneur, how do you navigate when nobody knows you? Number one, I'll quickly just say that a lot of people go into entrepreneurship but compare themselves to employees. That's a big mistake. Do not compare yourself to employees. As an entrepreneur, it's a big mistake. As entrepreneurs, you will make cutbacks that employees can afford not to make. So do not compare yourself. You have to make cutbacks. I have a podcast. If you listen to my podcast, the one I talked about why I stayed in my parents' house till I was 31. You see, that was a sacrifice I had to make. I stayed in my parents' house. I milked, I milked that thing called parenting for my parents. They took care of me since I was, till I was 31. No shame. You understand? Because they allowed me to do what I was meant to do as a business person. It was my safety net, it was my sanctuary. I realized it was, it was a blessing that a lot of people did not have. I had two parents that were alive. You understand? And they were not kicking me out. Some people don't have that privilege. So I used that privilege. I used it dry. You understand? So when I was 31, got married, moved out. You understand? And, and that afforded me the opportunity to do a lot. Um, take a lot of risk and stuff and not think about where do I stay, how do I eat that night, stuff like that. He allowed me to do some free work and gain experience and, you know, you know, gain expertise. You understand? So, but a lot of people, they want to be entrepreneurs, but at 21, they want to move out and have their apartment. That's a big mistake. You understand? A lot of, even, even with being, um, getting married, you understand? Some people, you want to be entrepreneur, but you want to get married at 22. 23, 24. Yeah, some people just say they're in love and stuff like that. But then you need to, there's some things you just just hold back on because you know where you are going. You understand? You know where you are going. Marriage, you know, responsibility. Take strong, a strong mind to early days of entrepreneurship, getting married. It's very easy to buckle because when you get married, start raising a family, have children, the dynamics change. You understand? Dynamics change. You yourself will just start giving yourself some kind of advice about compromises that you might have to make. You understand? And that's where you look at a lot of young men. Just look at statistics of young men that are going to crime, whether in Nigeria or outside Nigeria. A lot of them about to get married, early marriage, or just had children. A, a young man is most vulnerable at that point in time. Most vulnerable when he's about to get married. 
when he just got married and when he just had children. Most vulnerable to succumb to doing evil, illegal things at that point. You understand? So you need to, you need to be careful if you're an entrepreneur um, to make some cutbacks in your life. You cannot live your life like a like an like an employee. So you need to you need to number one cut back on your spending. Can't go out to be eating anyhow, changing your clothes. You know, going for the latest phones. When you do have a client work with you, you need to hold on to it as much as possible. What they are, what you are paid, your profit. Pray about how to use your profit well. Very important. You understand? And nothing I realize um, entrepreneurs do. Um, that I feel is a big mistake is that they hang in the circles of employees. So you keep your friends from school that are working in banks, working in all companies, and you're still hanging out with them. You know, you guys are still hanging out on weekends. So they'll say, let's go and hang out at this club where a bottle of Coke is like 3,000 naira. And you go because they're your friends. But you know, you, you need to, you go step back from some relationship, not cut them off, but step back and really assess, am I working in the same place as John? John is working with NNPC. John earns like 1.5 per month. You understand? Am I am I the same as um, um, Jane? Jane works with CBN. You understand? She makes two million per month. You understand? I'm an entrepreneur. I'm still looking for somebody to buy my product for two thousand naira. I've only sold sold four this month. And then and, and Jane is saying, you know what? Let's hang out. Let's go. Let's hang out this weekend and just have a, a girls getaway. And they say, let's go to this club. How do you afford it? So you need to step back from Jane and Jennifer because they are working in NMPC, um, CBN, World Bank. Jennifer is being paid in dollars. You are still hustling for someone to pay you 5,000 naira. You understand what I'm saying? So, so you need to step back from those. Step back. You can check on them, but when they are saying, let's go and hang out, you know, let's go somewhere for Christmas, you understand? You, you can't afford to do that. So you might step back. You might have to step back. And be in the circles, start building circles of people that speak your language of how do I stretch out this 5,000 naira to sustain me for two weeks. You understand? How do I shop on a budget? How do I live on a budget? So hang out with other entrepreneurs that are having those conversations that can say, hey, that's not good payment or that's not good spending. I can't afford to spend that right now. So that's one thing. The association a lot of times with... Um, entrepreneurs you your association you don't you don't you don't search for people your association enough so you're always associating and comparing yourselves with people that are either far gone in the entrepreneurship established or their employees and they have like safety nets of what we might call a secure nine to five salary so you you, you need to think of those things when um you are going into entrepreneurship, it is going to take a lot of um, restraint in your spending and consciousness of the lifestyle that you are living. Um, so so that would be my advice, you understand? That would be my advice if, if you are going to be an entrepreneur. I think, lastly, what I would touch on that entrepreneurs should do, again, where you see yourself with an employee, how you are different, is you should venture out some more. I see a lot of entrepreneurs, they are, they are recluses, they are hermits. What that means is that they stay indoors a lot. You understand? So you are indoors working. 
like an employee that works a lot in their office. So people around them don't see them. You understand? They're there, nine to five. You understand? They can afford to not be seen and not to have, like, make new relationships and have conversations. They can afford to, but you can't afford to. You need to go out and talk with people and talk and talk and meet people and say, my name is Tola, I do this. What do you do? How can I be of help to you? This is how I can be of help to you. You know, just go out and talk. And even, even if you're not talking on a business level, just go out and meet people. Let them ask you questions. You understand? You must be social. Um, social. And when I talk about being social, it's not really about being extroverted. Social is about just building connection with people. You understand? Extroverted might be, you know, being, um, having that, that um, energy to, to go out and meet people and make friends and, you know, to, be, to eagerly seek it. You understand? Being social is just making sure that you have an awareness of people around you and they have an awareness of you. You understand? So, so when you're social, you don't have to have a conversation for, for an hour. Just, my name is this. What's your name? Good. What do you do? This is what I do. That's all. That's all. That's being social. Being social might just be, I like your shoes. Where did you get them from? You understand? You know, an extroverted person might, might extend that into like a one-hour conversation, you understand, and invite them to their house. You don't need to do that. You can still live in the privacy of your house and still reach out to people. Doesn't doesn't stop you from saying good morning, you understand? It doesn't stop you from, from you know, telling them you admire something about them, you understand? It doesn't stop you from giving them your business card. It doesn't stop you. You don't have to be a recluse because you are introverted you don't have to be antisocial because you're introverted you understand so so there's, there's, there's a there's a difference you understand there's a difference so so being um introverted doesn't exempt you from being you know cautious with people and having that um um what courtesy demands sometimes you know that greeting very important just just greeting i mean you greet they're the ones that might start up the conversation. You understand? Like, what do you do? You understand? And then you have the opportunity to tell them. But if you do not go out, nobody can ask you what you do. You understand? So it's it, it's different. You might go to a fair, a business fair or a sales fair, and introverted person will sit down at their store, and a extroverted person will leave their stall and go to every other stall and talk to everybody. It doesn't matter. As long as you are just sitting at your store, some people will be attracted to you. Just for sitting down quietly, I just stand, come and meet you. Oh, what do you do? You do bids and stuff like that. You don't have to be extroverted, but you must be social. You must put yourself out there for people to even to say, what do you do? Oh, you, ah, I like your bids. How much are they? You understand? That, that's it. So um, that's what you can do as an entrepreneur to help you navigate those um, years. And they're not the early years. They're the full years of being an entrepreneur, of living with the pressure of not having enough money.